Wow. I think anybody can get up here and preach after that. Whoo, man. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Man, what a great song. What a great song. You know, there's uh, some stories that I've been reading this week, but one that really caught my eye was a story about these two little girls named Abigail and Michaela Bachinsky. You see, these two girls were twins, but they were not like most twins. They were twins that were born, they were conjoined together. And nine, at nine months old, just a few weeks ago, after much research, after much appointments and tests and things like that, they came together, these doctors, to prepare to do this surgery to separate them. And when the doctors were asked about the surgery that lasted 24 hours, they were asked about the surgery. This is what one of the doctors said. He said, we just had hope that this surgery was going to be successful. And it was. And both girls are continuing to get acclimated to their, their new life together. Hope, if you look in the def, at the, the Webster's Dictionary, if you Google it on your phone, hope gives us this definition, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. You see, these doctors, this mother went into this surgery with this expectation that the surgery was going to be successful. They hoped, they had a hope that it was going to be successful, that it was going to work. And we read about, we hear about stories of hope many times throughout our lives. They touch our heartstrings, many of them. They bring tears to our eyes. If we were to Put a, give a mic and just send it around the room. Many of us could share our own stories of hope. I remember when I first came to Crossroads in 1998. It wasn't many weeks after that I was told, hey, I need, we need you to be here early in the morning because we're going to be going down to Charleston, South Carolina to be with a family. Many of you know that it was during that time that Tori McKee had been born. And she was going into this, this major surgery that uh, was very, very risky. But they had, the family had hope that it was going to work. It was going to do exactly what it needed to do. And now, some 20-something years later... Not only did it work, but Tori is, is thriving. She's a, a beautiful young woman who, if you're not on social media, recently got engaged to be married to a wonderful young man who loves the Lord Jesus with all of his heart. 
So today, as we begin to celebrate the Advent season, let's explore the promise of hope and the hope of Christmas today. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7 is where we're going to start. And today we're going to look at a few truths about hope today. In Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, we see one of the several messianic prophecies about the birth of Jesus. Verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And if you flip over just a couple of chapters later, we see also another prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. In chapter 9, verse 6, one that we're very familiar with this time of year. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, the first thing that we want to look at, I want to look at today in our short time together is this. We have the promise of hope prophesied through Isaiah. Hundreds of years before Jesus' birth. The prophet Isaiah prophesied about the birth of Christ. Hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. Here the prophet Isaiah prophesies about it. You see, for something to be a prophecy, it couldn't be just 90% truthful. It couldn't be 95% truthful To be considered a prophecy. It couldn't even be 99% truthful. It had to be 100% clear truth for it to be considered a prophecy. So for the, the fact that Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, was prophesying about this in itself, tells you and all what a great God we have. Hundreds of years later. He even shares specific details in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. When he tells us that a virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. You see the Jews were told stories of the coming Messiah. From the time that they were born they would hear these stories of this coming Messiah that was going to come. And redeem them. Come and rescue them. They looked for him to come one day. You could say that they hoped for his birth. In chapter 9, Isaiah gives us even some more specific things about this Messiah, this child to be born. He gives us names that he would be called. He says, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This news that Isaiah was sharing was wonderful news. Not only was it wonderful, it was great news about a future event that was going to take place. About a promise from God to all people. Later on in the Old Testament, we come across 
Another passage of Scripture in, the prophet, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, the prophet Micah tells us this, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. You see, Micah is also tells us, also gives us a prophecy about the birth of Christ. And he's specific. He says that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. Now, we have the privilege of having the whole scripture, so we're able to look back. But imagine being a Jew. And imagine hearing these words from one of God's prophets. One of God's messengers that God sent to share that, hey, I'm a God of promise. And I've not forgotten. Not only would the birth of Messiah come from a virgin, but it would also be in a small town like Bethlehem to many people in the world to many Jews Bethlehem was not much you could say it was kind of like Roebuck growing up we didn't have much but we did have a red light And now, everybody knows where it is because there's a huge high school that rivals many universities in this area because of its size. We're moving on up. As the song says, we started from the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> so we had the promise of hope prophesied in Isaiah and the second thing I want to look at here as we continue on this, this message of hope, this, the hope of Christmas is we see not only the, the promise of hope prophesied, but we see the promise of hope foretold. See, hundreds of years had passed since Isaiah prophesied about the birth of Messiah. Generation after generation of Jews had passed without seeing the promise of the Messiah becoming a reality. All they had to hold on to were stories that had been shared, that had been passed down from generation to generation, yet not seeing anything come to fulfillment. But yet they were still waiting. Yet they were still hoping. Yet they were still believing. But for generation after generation, all they heard from God was silence. Hundreds of years of silence. And then one day, this young teenage girl, going about her daily routine, has a miraculous encounter with an angel. In Luke chapter 1, we see the story of the promise of hope foretold. And I'm not going to read all of it, but just to kind of give you a little bit of background here. And it says, in the sixth month, God sent an angel, 
sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went with her and said, Greetings, you who are highly, highly favored. The Lord is with you. And in verse 30, he goes on to say, Because Mary was troubled. But the angel said, Don't be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. And you will, give, you will be with child and give birth to a son. And you will give him the name Jesus. Hundreds of years had passed. Mary herself, being a young teenage girl, had heard these stories of this promise of the Messiah. Can you imagine going about your normal routine? <clears throat> and then to have this crazy encounter, this miraculous encounter with an angel. Here's what we know about this young girl. We know that her name was Mary. We know that she was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. <coughs> who was a carpenter from Nazareth. He was also a descendant of King David. And we know that she was a virgin. Now go back to Isaiah. Isaiah's prophecy. When we, we hear these words from the prophet Isaiah... And you will, the virgin will be with child and she will give birth to him and call him Emmanuel. Wow. You can imagine the nervousness. You can also imagine the excitement that Mary is having here. We know these things about Mary. And here's what we know about Gabriel's message to Mary. Number one is he said, the Lord will be with you. The Lord is with you. He also said that she had found favor with God. That she would give birth to a baby. A son. And that she would give him the name Jesus. That he would be great. He would be called the son of the most high. That the Lord God would give him the throne of David. And his kingdom will never end. And she was reminded. In verse 37 of chapter 1. For nothing is impossible. With God. Because her cousin Elizabeth was also pregnant with a boy who was going to be the forerunner for the Messiah. This boy named John. But she was going to give birth to a son. And his name was going to be called Jesus. In Matthew's gospel... Verse, verse 21 of the first chapter. Matthew's account tells us that his name will be Jesus. Because he will save his people from his sins. Wow. Jesus. There's something about that name. We sing that song. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. That name that she was told to give him when he was born would be not only a name that she would never forget, but it would be a name that the whole world would never forget either. Because there is just something about that name, Jesus. 
Because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power for healing in the name of Jesus. There's peace in the name of Jesus. There's peace for marriages to be restored. There's salvation in the name of Jesus where lost people become alive in Christ as they're redeemed by the Lamb. And there's hope in the name of Jesus. That hope for that mother, for that father who has that prodigal child to return home. Mary's response we see in verse 38 of chapter 1, he says, she, where she says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left. You see, Mary's response to the promise of hope foretold to her was a resounding yes. Mary put her yes on the table when the angel came to her that day. Nervous, not sure what's going on, but just trusting. Can you imagine this, this teenage girl who was there, going about her own business, having this encounter with this angel and being told what she was told? The stories that she had heard about the the coming of the Messiah, the promise that the Lord was going to send this Messiah and to know that you are the only one that's going to bring this child into this earth. I'm sure there was stress. I'm sure there was anxiety, but I'm sure that there was also excitement. The promise of hope foretold. And the third thing that we see about hope is we see the promise of hope fulfilled. In Luke's gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, we read that Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem. Remember Micah's prophecy? The one that said that the child would be born in Bethlehem. They were going to Bethlehem because the census was issued by Caesar Augustus. And while they were in Bethlehem, the scripture tells us that Mary gives birth to a son and she gives him the name Jesus. She gives birth to the hope of the world. The promise of hope that had been prophesied about by Isaiah and Micah, the promise of hope that had been foretold from Gabriel to Mary has become the promise of hope fulfilled. Just like God planned it. And today, and every day, we celebrate. We celebrate God's promise of hope as we celebrate worship and praise Jesus. We celebrate each and every Sunday as we worship and praise Jesus, as we fellowship with each other. Today, we celebrate not only the promise of hope prophesied, 
but also the promise of hope foretold and the promise of hope fulfilled. For Christ is the fulfillment of all things. You say, well, Heath, what's going on? I mean, what do I take away? What do I take away from this? There's just a couple of things that I wrote down for us to take away today. Number one is that God uses people today to share the message, His message of hope. He uses ordinary people like you and I. Ordinary people who were sinners saved by grace to share His message of hope and to share our message of how God took dead people and made them alive because of who He is. The second thing is that God uses small people from small towns to accomplish His purposes and His plan. You say, well, I don't... I've heard stories people... Well, you know, I really didn't come from much. Or, you know, I don't, I don't come from a whole lot. I don't have this. I don't have that. I'm just a small person from an ordinary town, small girl, small boy from a small town that nobody really knows about. But isn't that just like our God? To use the people that the world wouldn't imagine that he would use to bring about the greatest news ever told. And he's given us the privilege to share the great news, the good news of the gospel with people. He's given us the privilege to share the hope of Christmas With those whose life seems hopeless. <coughs> the third thing is that we see that takeaway is this. That God is a God who keeps his promises. The promise that he made long ago, he fulfilled. There may have been times, there may have been generations that thought that would this ever come to pass? But yet they still believed, they still hoped. You see, we could say the biblical definition of hope is this. Hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised and His strength. And its strength in His faithfulness. Let me read that one more time. Hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised and its strength in His faithfulness. God is a God who keeps His promises. If God said it, you can take it to the bank. You can hold on to it. You can proclaim it because it's going to happen. So we see that the other takeaway is that God is a God who keeps His promises. And the last thing is this. That our God is a God of hope. He's a hope for you and a hope for me. He's a hope 
for your coworker, for your neighbor, for your family member. He is the hope of the world. I'm thankful that we serve a God of hope. I'm thankful for the promise of hope prophesied. I'm thankful for the promise of hope foretold. And I'm very thankful for the promise of hope fulfilled. You see, because hope has a name. And his name's Jesus. Do you know him today? He knows you. He knows you. He loves you. He died for you. And for somebody in this room, you may have walked in here, in this room today, feeling hopeless. But my friend, you don't have to walk out those doors feeling hopeless. You can walk out those doors knowing that you have hope because of Jesus. You can walk out of these doors with the hope of Jesus in your heart. Simply by acknowledging that your sin, confessing it before God and asking God to give you the hope of the world, to give you Jesus to live in your heart. You see, hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. He is the hope of the world today, tomorrow. He's the hope of the world forever. And we get the privilege of knowing that hope. And we get the privilege of sharing that hope. Maybe today we just need to be reminded. That with all that's going on in this world. With all the uncertainties. There's one certainty and his name is Jesus. And he is the hope for you today, tomorrow and forever. And he can be the hope for your friends, for your family, for your co-workers. And God has given you the privilege and me the privilege, if we are a believer in Jesus Christ, to share that message of hope. And can I tell you this? People are more willing to hear this message at this time of year. Why don't you trust God in the promise of hope? And share it with someone this week. Someone needs you needs to hear you share your message of hope this week. Will you share it with them? As I said, today, you may have walked in here hopeless, but you don't have to walk out of here without hope. As the musicians gather, we get ready to have a time of response. Pastor Jack is going to be down here. I'm going to be down here. If you would like to be introduced to this hope, if you would like to just flood this altar, these steps, and pray for that loved one to find the hope that you found in Jesus. I pray that as we begin this season of Advent, that we'll remember the hope of Christmas. His name's Jesus.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for all that you do for us. And Lord, I pray right now that if there's someone in here today that doesn't know Jesus as their personal Savior, if they don't have a relationship with Christ, Lord, I pray that you would not only give them the confidence, but you would give them the courage to walk down and receive the hope of the world into their heart. For that parent struggling with a wayward child, with a prodigal, Lord, I pray that they would find that you are still in control and that they would cling to the hope that one day their prodigal would return home into the Father's arms. In your name we pray. Amen.